Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take It easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it's a podcast welcome in everybody it is november ooh, december 8th according to my account a little force of habit there you guys have already hit us with a thousand downloads in one week love it so much We appreciate each and every one of you stopping in here. It's a Stripe Hype Wednesday this week because of how the schedules worked out. And I had time, boys, like Andy Reid on a bye week. I had time this week to make some fun games that we could play on the podcast. We had an awesome, awesome show this week with Blake Jude. It ended up going two hours long. It's one of my favorites ever, and I say this every single week, but this time I mean it. Check out this podcast. I don't even want to keep talking right now. It's a two-hour-long podcast. We get very close to breaking the rule of podcasts here, which is never, ever do a podcast longer than two hours, but occasionally we go over the rules for a Stripe Hype Wednesday, especially during draft season, which, by the way, we dabble in draft season a little bit because Blake Jude is, of course, an NFL draft expert. This is his fifth year doing draft scouting. He's already started putting big boards together, so we got to ask him a few questions about that. Because it's his expertise, other than watching the Bengals, which I guess we'll talk about that a little bit. But less Bengals, more NFL draft, lots of fun NFL games that you guys can play along with here. We got random blind tests of NFL resumes, and we play a game of figuring out who are the healthiest and unhealthiest teams in the NFL in 2021. It's a very interesting, fun game that you can play along with at home here on a Stripe Hype Wednesday. Hey, glad to hear it, because uh, I know that we're, we're getting close to that time where for three months we're going to get really, really into the draft. So we're, I'm, I love that the, uh, the draft expert is already working now that the regular season is over in college football. You've got lots of game tape to work with. So our crazy person expert is back in his lab doing his two prospects a night crazy person thing. Yeah, uh, I haven't been, you know, I'm going to be honest, I haven't done the two prospects a night thing as much. I'm, I'm kind of slacking, but I, I do this thing now where I'm like, oh, I'll finally get some done. And I just do 10 at once. <laughs> I have those days where I just go crazy. Uh, That's totally yeah. fair. Uh 
I, I do plan on getting to those two, two, three prospects uh, a day kind of thing where I, well, I did last year at least. And hopefully, um, hopefully this year I'll have more prospects uh, graded than what I did draft picks. Uh, Cause last year I was just short and, you know, there's a couple that I ended up not being able to grade. Uh, so we'll see, but uh, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. I've kind of done, I've kind of gone by position by position right now. And I've been on a running back today, at least. So uh, working on some of those grades and trying to pump them out. It's, it's good. Any it's first all. rounders this year in the running back group? Ah, uh, Kenneth Walker's really close. Uh, really close. I'm, I'm sure you know who Kenneth Walker is. The uh, of course almost Eisman candidate uh, from Michigan State. He's been an absolute beast. I mean, there's very few people in this league that have this blend uh, of of power and speed that Kenneth Walker does, and uh, he really excites me. I'm really high on him. Actually, my buddy actually has a first round grade on Iowa State running back Brees Hall, uh, who a lot of people are also very high on. So we might we might have a couple. We're gonna I think make a consensus board between the two of us this year as well. We might have uh, a running back or two. Uh, in that first round grade, but uh, whether or not they actually end up in the first round is a completely different story because you know it's it's tough for, for running backs to get drafted that high unless you're like Najee Harris or Saquon Barkley good. Yeah, of course. Like late first round is where you're kind of projecting it to be. It seems like there's going to be a lot of like offensive line and defensive line in this year's draft, which is not sexy, but there's going to be a lot of those, I feel like, in the first round. <laughs> Yeah, we're seeing, I mean, honestly, these are very important positions, but we're, we're going to see an excess of offensive tackles, edge rushers, and cornerbacks, I think, in the first round of this, of this year's draft uh, in terms of, of talent, uh, mainly because I, I really think that, uh, like, you, like I said, the, the positions are extremely important in this draft. And also, I think we've seen a lot of people in those positions ball out this year and perform really, really well. So uh, for people in need of those positions, I know as a Bengals fan, offensive tackle is certainly very appealing right now, as well as cornerback. I, I'm very excited to see what we might, might end up being able to land uh, here in the draft. But we'll have to see, of course. I'm also very, very high on the wide receivers in this class as well. There's a lot of really fun wide receivers. Uh, of course, the two Ohio State wide receivers, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, Alabama's wide receivers. Jamison Williams has been balling this year, and he's a guy that's really started to rise up the boards uh, right now. Also, I'm a very, very high on a wide receiver from uh, USC, Drake London, uh, and um, and uh, 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 Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson. A couple of other really good guys I'm a big fan of as well. Uh, so I'm still pumping out those grades, but uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to watch those guys' tapes and uh, try to get familiar with uh, all those drafting stuff again. Dude, I was watching the SEC championship game, and I didn't re I, like I kind of knew Alabama had a really good wide receiver, but I didn't really know Jamison Williams. And then I watched the game. I'm just like, oh, my God, this guy is unbelievably good at football. <laughs> and if, if you had told me he's not going to be a first round pick, I would have been like, how? How is that not going to be a first round pick? Because he's literally just like on a field of NFL future future NFL players, best players in college football. Like he stands out that he's just faster, more agile than literally everyone on the field. I couldn't believe how good Jamison Williams was. Yeah, uh, I mean, go going back to other Alabama players, he really gives me a lot of Jerry Judy vibes in terms of talent and what he does in the field. And I, I really, really like that. I was a big fan of Judy back in the draft. Had CeeDee Lamb not gone off that year, he would have been wide receiver one. Uh, I, I think there's a very, very good chance Jamison Williams is going to be in the top three of wide receivers in this class. And I think he's a guaranteed first-round pick right now. Now, the interesting part is to see – uh, you know, what Garrett, Garrett Wilson and uh, Chris Olave, Drake London, what those three guys do, because I think they are all 
like right there at wide receiver one with Jamison Williams. So there are four guys I think are really close to his tier in terms of talent. It's, it's a it's a very, very top-end class at wide receiver this year. Might not be as much depth as what there used to be, but there is a lot of top-end talent. So it might be might be interesting because we might see Jamison Williams maybe fall a little bit further than what we expect him to just because there's so many wide receivers. And it's because it's just gonna be based off of you know what fits uh who who, you know. Yeah, watch Jamison Williams end up on the Vikings. Watch that happen. And we're just going to create just a super team of all wide receivers on the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, Kirk Cousins is already fine with all the amazing weapons he has now. Let's just throw more at him. Let's say just we're going to triple down on just insane numbers of weapons for Kirk Cousins. That's just how the Vikings are going to build their team. You know, it's certainly possible. I don't know. I, I, no, it's not. Possible. No, it's not. I'm joking with that. There's no way, right? <laughs> with the 20... With the t- <laughs> we're getting an older Adam Thielen. I mean, I don't know if they want KJ Osborne to be their future the guy or not. I mean, the, the problem is this year, there's, there's not many, not many teams at all who need wide receiver. I mean, you look at teams like maybe the Patriots can use one. Uh, the Browns obviously need one without Ola Beckham Jr. There. There's a couple I could see taking them. You know, the Giants maybe still need one, even though they have a bunch. Uh, but at, at this point, there's a very, very likely chance there's going to be a team out there who already has good enough wide receivers and just sees a guy like Jameson Williams or, or Garrett Wilson. They're like, hey, this is the best player available. Let's take him. You know, like how the Dallas Cowboys did several years ago with C.D. Lamb. I could see that being the case. Well, and that worked out for the Cowboys just because, you know, the rest of the wide receivers that were around Amari Cooper where we're like, wow, they already have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL they kind of just evaporated after a while. Like Randall Cobb left and Cole Beasley was gone. And the, the receiving core wasn't as good as I think we thought it was. It was just because they already had Amari Cooper. We're like, wow, this is a team that has two number ones now at wide receiver. And that's obviously two number ones or two guys who look like a number one are, are really good. So I guess that's kind of true there. I'm thinking about all the people who've drafted wide receivers in the past couple of years. And it's like, Pittsburgh's done it a couple times, not necessarily in the first round, but at the top of the draft, Miami, Philadelphia twice, uh, Minnesota, the, the Denver Broncos, the Dallas Cowboys, the Raiders, like so many teams have picked up uh, the Baltimore did last year. Like so many teams have picked wide receivers at the top of the draft that you're right. It's like hard to imagine teams taking wide receivers without like declaring some of the other guys being busts like, you know, the, the Chicago Bears walking away from Darnell Mooney as a project or the, you know, the Seahawks walking away from Tyler Lockett or something like that, or the, the jets walking away from Corey Davis or something. And, and also it's, it's, it's really just due to the fact that we have so many of the same teams picking at the top of the draft this year. Uh, you know, of course we have two giants picks, uh, three Eagles picks, two jets picks. I mean, you know, all these guys are already, like you said, you, you name most of those guys, they're already taking wide receivers in this class. So on those previous classes, and they had the majority of the picks where you would take wide receivers. So are they going to take another wide receiver? I think when you look at the Jets and the Giants, it is certainly possible that they do. I could also maybe see the Eagles maybe going and taking a third one at this point because we haven't seen enough of Jalen Rieger to be really, be really reliable yet. So who knows? Maybe they take another one as well. But um, it really is just the, the fact that like we have everyone that is at the top uh, of the draft this year already has good enough wide receivers. And then you look at teams like the Patriots and the Browns who are going to probably have later picks. Those are the teams that need wide receivers, but – in terms of talent, 
these wide receivers should not be going in the 20s. They should be going in the top 15. So it, it's going to be interesting. I, I want, I want interested to see maybe teams like trade down possibly in the draft. We might see a couple teams trade up, or maybe a lot of these wide receivers end up falling and we get a lot of round two value. That would be very, very enticing for a lot of teams if we can get like, one of those talented round ones wide receivers back down in round two, kind of like how the Bengals of T. Aiken a couple years ago. Yeah, that's a good point there is that like wide receivers do end up falling the same way running backs fall where Derrick Henry ends up at pick 42 in the draft because, you know, people put devaluing on that position. I have the draft order up here. Uh, I find it hilarious that the Jets and Giants would have four consecutive picks in the top seven in the draft if the season ended today because it would be Jets four, Jets five, Giants six. Giants seven and you just know every single one is going to be a bad pick just every single one is going to end up being a bust yeah uh I've done a lot of mock drafts and um you know I mean they they have a lot of potential to land some really really good talent uh there uh if they're able to hit on of course but uh I mean we know that this is Dave Gettleman's final season if I'm not if I'm not mistaken so um better be it better for for the sake of me and doing draft analysis it better be Dave Gettleman's last year because god he has missed on every single goddamn pick that he has made it's been bad, but uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully with with that with the regime change of Dave Gettleman uh, and, and potentially, you know, maybe the the Jets and the, and the Eagles turning new Leafs. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a chance that a couple of those picks start getting hit, uh, and, and that would be very exciting. I, I definitely think some of these guys that we're seeing here, um, look at Evan Neal, I came at Kwanu, um, you know, Garrett Garrett Wilson, like I mentioned earlier. We also see guys like um, Demarvin Leal, the defensive tackle, George Carlaftis, Purdue edge rusher. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there who have a lot of raw talent, right? And they just need the, the right guys to help them produce. Uh, and once they are able to get to that point, I think that they're going to be very, very, very good prospects at the next level. All right, that's that's enough of talking about the crappy teams. Uh, let's let's talk about the good teams now, or at least the teams that actually have something here. By the way, I've got not one but two games we can play here on the podcast Enjoy. coming up. I, I had a lot of time to do some research here, so we've got two games we can play at some point here. But uh, before we get to that, let's let's first of all, is there any difference between the Chargers and Bengals? Can you tell me any difference between those two teams right now? <laughs> some, uh- Boots on I mean, the ground in Cincinnati for the Sunday's game. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my original answer would have been turnovers because Cincinnati is definitely turning the ball over at a, a very large clip. But then I, I turn around and see Austin Eckler fumble the ball three times last week. And I'm like, well, maybe not. <laughs> so honestly, I don't know. I mean, you, you can make a thorough argument that Burrow outplayed Justin Herbert last week. And yet the, the Chargers still were able to put up 41 points on the board due to the turnovers that were forced overall throughout the game. So uh, I guess – I guess really not. I mean, they, they feel like very, very similar teams on paper. And I feel like we could have easily seen that exact same game happen in the exact opposite way where the Bengals ended up putting up the 41 points and the Chargers can't move the ball. So it is interesting. Cincinnati was pretty well plagued by uh, injuries that game as well. Uh, they had Riley Reef and Trey Hopkins out. Uh, starting middle linebacker Logan Wilson got hurt. Starting cornerback Chidobe Awuzier has been was hurt that game. Uh, injuries certainly didn't help them. And, and of course, the turnovers really costed that game. So it kind of felt like, you know, whoever's going to win that turnover battle really is going to win that football game and of course Chargers able to take advantage of those turnovers and put them into points yeah I do agree with the sentiment with that on the interceptions and and Burrow actually playing better than the numbers suggest at the same time he had the 27th best quarterback rating on Sunday so it's not like Burrow had a fantastic game part of that of course if you take the if you take the Jamar Chase pass and turn it into a touchdown maybe he has like the 15th best passer rating on the day passer rating can be kind of deceiving that way but 
It's not like Joe Burrow played great on Sunday. No. It was just... I mean, it, it was honestly it was a it was a pretty below average game for both Burrow and Herbert. When, whenever you watched and, and went back and watched it, watched it overall, I mean, Chase. A lot of Chase's problems weren't really his fault. I mean, the Bengals have really found their identity off the run game this year, and of course, they weren't really able to establish the run game. And Mixon, of course, had really what I consider the game ceiling fumble at the end of the game. Um, but at the same time, you know, I mean, you, you see that Jamar Chase. I mean, that was an absolute dime by Joe Burrow, and, and should have been a touchdown. And, and Chase just dropped it and turned it into an interception. I mean, it was just complete mistake and, and, and problem by Chase. And I it mean, was the look- unluckiest play I had seen the entire season until Joe Mixon phantom fumbled a football, and it just happened to go for a like a scoop and score six like a quarter later. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, like I said, that's what I think ended up being the turning point in the game. But yep. Uh, really unlucky there, uh, and I also think you, you look at uh, you look at what happened to uh, just just overall throughout the game. I mean, Joe Burrow, a lot of his passes weren't. I mean, we're not bad passes. A lot of them were drops. We had we had a couple of drops from Jamar Chase. I believe there was three on the game. Uh, a big key drop by T. Higgins, who still had 180 yards that game, so he still played out of his mind. But uh, had a big a, a key drop, I believe. C.J. Uzama had a big drop as well. I mean, five five drops, and I think there were only nine total incompletions for Joe Burrow on the game. So really, only four incompletions. One being that bad interception at the end of the game. So I mean, overall, still threw 300 yards. Still had. Uh, three total touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, two passing touchdowns. Still a pretty solid game from Burrow, but it was just those mistakes that they made were crucial mistakes. And, um, you know, the Chargers credit to them. I mean, I I think Mac Williams is such a great wide receiver. He is so, so hard to guard. And I was really impressed with how he played. And Herbert put the ball where it needed to be at times. You know, he had a couple mistakes here and there, but a a lot of the times, a lot of those passes, again, were just, you know, uh, jump ball passes to Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, letting your stars make plays. And a lot of the times they made plays and were able to, to, to pull out that game. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd love to see them get a rematch possibly, hopefully in the playoffs. We'll have to see. Uh, but, you know, who knows at this <laughs> point? Oh, still in the playoffs. So that's, I guess that's good. But um, since I certainly got a lot of help with Buffalo losing uh, on Monday to the Patriots, but maybe if uh, the Colts or uh, the Broncos are able to jump another game, maybe we get a little bit more comfortable. That'd be a shocking upset is if the Chargers and Bengals play in the AFC championship as the seven and six seeds would be the most shocking thing I'd ever heard of. Because like I know the AFC feels like there's a bit of parody this year, but at the same time, let's not go too far on the Chargers and Bengals like the Chargers roster. This is the thing I kind of concluded, I think, after the Broncos game was just that the Chargers problems are just like they don't have enough talent. Like that's kind of where it falls apart for them. It's like. You got three weapons that make up 65% of your offense with Eckler, Williams, and Keenan Allen. You can't stop the run to save your life. Some of those linebackers and corners that we thought were awesome at the start of the year have been less awesome now. Like, I feel like the Chargers' problems are just they need to go sign people and they need to draft some wide receivers in the day two of the draft because that seems to be like the problem is not really like the problem is not Herbert. The problem is just they haven't put enough good players around him. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think their offensive line still needs some work to do. They're still letting Justin Herbert get pressured too much. And, and uh, you know, especially with Mike Williams, you know, possibly being on his way out this year, being a free agent, you know, you also got to think, like you said, wide receiver is a big need because outside of that, you know, they have Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, a guy, a couple of guys that really aren't 
all too reliable yet. You know, there's still guys that are either in current development or are just not good enough to be a starter wide receiver at the next level. So I think there are certainly some team needs uh, on the offensive and defensive side overall that they that they probably need to work on. And, um, you know, of course, they were also kind of played by injuries last uh, last week with uh, injuries to uh, Joey Bosa and uh, Asante Samuel, of course. But at the same time, you know, uh, I, I do agree. I do think both the Bengals and the Chargers still have a, quite a bit of like a talent in certain positions that are just kind of, you know, hurt them a little bit. And until they're able to get that talent, which I think is probably going to be next year for both teams, um, I find it hard to believe that they are true playoff contenders, uh, even though I think that it's certainly possible both of them make it. Uh, whether or not they are able to win a game, I'm not too sure about. But yeah, I feel uh, like they both deserve to make the playoffs this year. It's just, <laughs> goddamn you, Titans. The Titans are going to steal a playoff spot from them, and nobody wants to watch the goddamn Titans in the playoffs. But the Titans are probably going to steal one of those playoff spots from one of you two guys. Both of you probably should be in the playoffs this year, like at least getting a fighting chance to be a seven and a half point underdog at Kansas City or at Baltimore or something like that. At least like you get the fighting chance of maybe we can win a playoff game in an upset this year. But I think there's only going to be one spot for either of you. And I, I petition that we should kick the Titans out and let both of you in the playoffs. Certainly possible. And I, and I agree. Uh, but um, at the same time, I'm not leaving out the idea of maybe one of those teams winning the division. Because, uh, you know, I've not seen a lot from Baltimore to suggest that they're absolutely division winners this year. And I mean, though the Chiefs have certainly played a lot better, um, you know, we, we did see uh, how the Chargers could play against the Chiefs. And if they beat the Chiefs, I mean, all of a sudden we, we could talk about the Chargers being the AFC West, uh, you know, a leader. So, I mean, it's certainly there's certainly neither of them out of the division. And if they were to win the division, maybe then we get to see a rematch between uh, the Chargers and Bengals. But um you know, it, it's still, I mean, there's a lot to see, of course, still. Uh, but those those games between the Chargers and Chiefs and the Bengals, Ravens, I mean, if the Bengals or Chargers pull out those victories, I mean, we're talking about them being all of a sudden now the leaders of, the, of their divisions. And, and maybe they do end up getting those higher seeds where they're able to uh, maybe play an easier team. The, the, the Chargers Chiefs one, I can say with with near certainty, we can get the bleep out of here with that. No, the Chiefs are going <laughs> to run away with that division. But the, the Ravens Bengals one, I will say there is a chance might not be a great chance, but there is a chance like I'm still betting on the Ravens having a game head start plus a head to head against the Bengals coming up that they could should would win. Um, and also just having that quarterback, even though like they're not a Super Bowl contender because they've just been decimated with injuries like that. I, I still think they can win the division and then kind of get bounced. And once they play a team that's better than them, um, which, again, is the same thing I said last year with Lamar Jackson. I hate that the analysis is the same, but it's just the entire team gets hurt. And Lamar Jackson last year still made them a top five team just by himself, basically. And that kind of feels like where they're at this year again, which is they're totally decimated with injuries. And somehow Lamar Jackson elevates the players around him so much that they're still like a top five to six team in, in, the, in all of the NFL at this point, which is, you know, just a testament to how amazing Lamar Jackson is at quarterback. Yeah, I mean such a great court. I mean, top five quarterback, I think easily right now. And I mean, I've been it, saying number two for about a year now. I still feel pretty good about that, that he's number two behind Mahomes at this point, but top five easy. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I, I think I've got to put Rogers there too. Uh, but that's I mean, other as well, I think they're both up there in arguments, but at the same time, I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you completely. I think, uh, he, I, I would probably put him right now at three or four, uh, with, with Kyler Murray, like they're right there in the same area, uh, in terms of how much I trust them and how much, ta- how much talent they have. But, um, 
you know, I mean, it's still that's that's enough to lead a team like the Ravens to a playoff appearance. You know, they they are that's good enough, and uh, you know, they they still have. I mean, obvious needs at, at defense right now. I think defense is certainly their weak their weakest point. Um, but offensively, if they can put up these these points uh, enough, they obviously didn't do that last week against Pittsburgh. But if they are able to, um, this is a very very dangerous team to reckon with because they can. They, they are now able to kill you both on the ground and in the air. And, you know, we, we always thought if that happened with the Ravens, they'd be unstoppable. And I think mainly because their defense has been so bad, they haven't been. But if their offense is able to click on all cylinders like that we think they can, uh, maybe it will. You know, it's amazing. I saw this stat today. Um, I can't remember. It's someone on Twitter. Credit to someone on Twitter with a with a verified profile that uh, the Baltimore Ravens this year, I believe, are 23rd in defensive DVOA but they're also fifth in rush defense, which is just saying, do you know how terrible their secondary has been this year? And it's not like their secondary is terrible. It's just, you know, Humphrey's got done for the season. Now Marcus Peters was done for the season back in training camp. Like they've just, again, decimated with injuries, but they're the fifth best rush defense in the NFL. And they're still like bottom fourth in the league in in defense because they just can't stop the pass to save their life. Yeah, um, it, it's been really bad. I mean, uh, they, they've they've had guys out there who are former undrafted free agents playing. You know, a lot of rookies, Nashawn Wright, and has been out there. Uh, a guy that I didn't even scout last year uh, has been playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Chris Westry, the former Kentucky Wildcat undrafted free agent, has been out there a lot. Um, we, we've seen a lot of guys. Anthony Averett has been their cornerback one, and if any team has Anthony Averett <laughs> as a cornerback one, by a concern to me. Uh, I mean, it, it is rough. It is rough for them right now, and and not to mention we also are are, are seeing you know. Um, uh, them hardly create any sort of pass rush as well. I mean, their defense has been able to stop the run, but in terms of not having a pass rush, you, you lose Matthew Judon this year. Your best pass rusher has all of a sudden become the rookie Odafe Owe, who has still been very, very inconsistent at times as well. So, uh, I mean, Clayus Campbell's out there and doing well still too, but I mean, he's definitely been more of a rush run stopper this year than he's been a pass rusher. So, I just think in general, it's, it's been a rough go around for for the Baltimore Ravens uh, defense, and if. You know, if teams are able to put up 30, 35 points consistently against them, it's going to be tough for Lamar Jackson and that offense go each, you know, go around each week and, and put up the, enough points to win every single game. Well, these last three games have been fascinating for them because they played the Bears, the Browns, and the Steelers. And they basically just came in with the game plan of we're just not going to respect the pass at all. We're just going to emphasize we're, we're putting everything we have on the run and we're just not going to respect your passing game. And it worked. Like, the they, they lose the... <laughs> on the flip side, they lose the Steelers game on a little tap ball. But the reason that they have to do this is because they can't score points either because their offensive line is totally depleted, which again, Lavar Jackson has no time in the pocket. And uh, it's all frustrating for Baltimore. It's the reason they're going to lose, you know, they can win a playoff game, but they'll lose fairly early in the playoffs this year just because for the second year in a row, they just decimated with injuries. But against teams that have like poor passing attacks, which Chicago, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh might be three of the worst in the NFL. They've basically just said, all right, we're just not going to respect your passing game at all. And that's how we're going to hold you to 20 points against the Steelers, 10 against the the Browns. And I think it was like 13 against the Bears. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think that certainly does work. I mean, not only do they have poor offensive uh, or, or passing attacks, in general, they, they just have poor offenses. I mean, all, all, all three of those teams. So being able to hold them to uh, limited points is not too surprising to me. But at the same time, I mean, you, you got to give credit where credit's due. And Baltimore has done enough to at least be some of those teams. And, and that Pittsburgh game was just really, really bad. I mean, that shocked me how well Pittsburgh was able to hold Lamar Jackson in our offense. But at the same time, I mean, um, you know, I, I, Pittsburgh, has those games where they just uh you know win a game that they probably shouldn't now and then and uh, i think that was another one of them and i I, like i said i really don't know if that's just a testament to pittsburgh being inconsistent and sometimes really good sometimes really bad or if that's just a case of the ravens just aren't who we think they are as a football team right now with the injuries uh i I don't know the answer to that but i I could definitely see an argument to be made for both um and i i really think we're going to learn a lot more as we kind of see the rest of this afc north unwind because i really think all these teams are capable of beating each other any single night, which is crazy to think, but at the same time, very true. I mean, the only, the only one sided, uh, you know, the time we've seen this division be is between the Bengals and Steelers, which ironically the Bengals are just not, you know, decimated the Steelers both games this year. But other than that, I mean, I could see, I could see it being, I could see it being going, going either way. And that's, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. It seems unfair to the Bengals, but December 26th home against the Ravens. If you don't win that game, you got no shot at winning the division. So yeah, without a doubt. Which again, you already beat them once. You beat them in Baltimore, so you know it's unfair to y'all. But that's your, that's your one chance to win the division. The, all the teams are pretty even, and I'm not sure if any of them are actually good in the AFC North this year. Everyone's battling injuries, except well, even the Steelers actually. Everyone's battling injuries in that division. I just don't know if any of them are actually that good, even though they're all fairly even. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's certainly possible uh, that um, that's the case. I'm not too sure. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see, of course. And I mean, not only are the injuries problems, though, we're just we're just seeing a lot of other issues as well when it comes to either coaching, quarterback play. I mean, all these teams are having separate issues outside of just the injuries that are, are concerning as well. So maybe maybe it is true. Maybe they, they uh, are uh, not as good as what we think. But at the same time, I mean. You, you you look at this. Uh, I mean, you look at their their high points, and whenever they, whenever they've been good, when they're when they're good, they're really really good. So if one of those teams can get hot whenever they need to get hot, all of a sudden maybe we have an argument to have an actual good team here in the AFC North. What'd you make of the uh, the Patriots and Bills game on Monday? Uh, very one of the most unique games I've ever seen. I think in my life, uh, really really fun. I mean, obviously. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed your memes, by the way, of of the Air Force offense being installed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, scheme because it's absolutely true. We saw Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris get the ball handed off a thousand times, and and seeing I think it was Matthew Judon in an interview saying uh, our entire offense played really well. Well, you know, except Mac Jones, he really didn't do anything. That was really funny to me. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed that and thought it was hilarious, and I, I was really impressed. I mean. That just goes to show how elite of a coach Bill Belichick is to be able to, uh, I guess, almost improvise on the fly and be able to use his scheme uh, to make it to where he's able to control the time of possession and have the ball enough to make it to where he's able to uh, actually, you know, control the game basically. Uh, And I give credit to him and the fact that he's able to allow his defense to hold this elite bills offense to only 11 points. I mean, it was just a great, great job by him to be able to, uh, or not 11 points, I believe it's 10, wasn't it? But uh, I think, I think it ended up being 11 because I think they, no, it was 10. You're right. 14, 10 was the score. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, I was just really impressed with the, uh, him being able to uh, 
be able to stop them and do enough to stop them. And I mean, we look back at that, that two point conversion that they converted with Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, that was obviously the key play of the game because had they not converted that, you know, all of a sudden we see the bills twice in the end zone where they have a potential to score a field goal to win the game. So that's that two point conversion ended up being what, what I think carried the Patriots to this victory. And you gotta give Bill Belichick to uh, the credit to be able to trust his offense, to be able to go out there and score a touchdown, even though in those, you know, crazy cold weathers, um, you know, and, and it's super windy weathers as well. I mean, it was just having faith in his offense, uh, even though you didn't have much of a passing game and being able to trust your uh, offensive line, just team overall to step up and, and do what's necessary to carry your team to a win. I love that not only was it that he ran the ball until the very end when he gave up on the, he abandoned the game plan and on second and 11 through back-to-back passes. I was like, if you're going to lose, you got to lose, you got to lose committing to what you're doing. <laughs> if you're going down, you're going down four yards at a time. Uh, it wasn't just that they ran the ball 45 times compared to three passes. It was that 60% of them were power runs up the middle. 60% of your goddamn plays in the entire game were just power runs up the middle. And it's like, yeah, that's good enough to win. Or that's, yeah, we're good. B- Buffalo can't stop the run. We're good. We'll get just enough points. And then they can't score because, you know, 55 mile an hour wins and we have the best defense in the NFL. It's just like, yeah, yeah, it's. It's that easy. We're just going to power run up the middle of the entire game. 14 points, all we're going to need. Also, I will say, I mean, that's absolutely the ideal situation for Bill Belichick. Uh, you know, he loves that. I think I, I, he's I been imagine. waiting 29 years for that. He's been waiting right. 29 years to just say, how can we run the ball up the middle the entire game? I mean, yeah, and I mean, he he just loves grinding it out, you know, keeping kind of possession, allowing his defense to win the game. And that's just that's just Bill Belichick's ideal game. And he got exactly what he wanted that week. And also, I mean, give credit to Nick Folk as well. I mean, the guy went out there and scored two huge field goals um, that really I mean, again, that's another big key part of the game that kind of pushed the Patriots to a victory. I mean, that was those were hard field goals, man. I mean, of course, we saw, you know, Bill Belichick not even trust Nick Folk at the beginning of the game and go for two. But I mean, you know, they trot him out there twice and he makes two big ones in the in the crazy win and freezing cold to be just enough to win so i mean i mean i i don't get it i don't get how every single player that plays for bill belichick just instantly becomes so much better because even the kickers are nick folk was once a guy that we all made fun of for a while and now he's all of a sudden the best kicker in the league next to justin tucker it's, it's just crazy to see how that has happened and i mean and just how how good everyone of the patriots seem to be no matter how bad on paper they look it's just it's wild See, I would like to, to correct this. It's not that everybody who shows up on the Patriots gets better. It's that everyone on the Patriots who shows up gets better, except when you're drafted high in the draft, except when you have actual talent and actual expectation. You you don't play well, but even still, like, again, this game, like your opinion coming out of this game for whoever you are is probably the same of what you thought about the Bills or Patriots afterwards. Because again, if I, I forgot the name of the kicker for the Bills, if he, if he makes the oh, 33... Man. Yeah, Tyler Bass. If he makes the 33-yard kick right before that, the Bills don't even have to try the fourth and 14 where Cole Beasley runs one way and Josh Allen throws it another way. Like, if that happens, you're only down one. Bill Belichick throws two passes on the next drive, punt immediately, you kick the game-winning field goal. And all of a sudden, Bill Belichick looks like the dummy because it's like, how could you abandon your game plan and throw the ball twice and then you turn the or you punt the ball back to Buffalo with you know, killing no time on the clock. And that game was just that close. But at the same time, it was so weird and so unique that we just don't know who to give credit to at the end of the game. Like Sean McDermott said, you know, we just, we don't know what to do at the end of the game. Buffalo gagged on themselves a bit and 
uh, again, I, I talked about this yesterday because I've been reading the, the, the book by Seth Wickersham on the Patriots dynasty. And Belichick's idea is just, if you stay even keeled, your opponent will vomit on themselves. And when they do, that's when you take advantage is when the other team makes the mistake that you can take advantage of. And the Patriots made that mistake and Buffalo made that mistake. It's why that game was so weird. And the Patriots end up winning because the Patriots always end up winning these games. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> that's just how it goes, I guess. That's just, quote unquote, how the cookie crumbles for, for Bill Belichick. And I mean, I think without a doubt, you, 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 if you had any doubt about how elite of a coach Bill Belichick is, I mean, just go back and watch that game and watch him be able to adjust to what he needs to do. I mean, there were maybe some questionable calls that he had, at least at the end of the game when it came to you know passing the ball a couple of times I believe it was twice at the end of the game but at the same time I mean just the fact that he know I mean and, and at the same time I mean you know a lot of it was based off the power run but they still managed to keep the bills on their heels when it came to running the ball and even though the bills knew the running running the ball was coming every single time there was always a, a worry for the bills defense about where it was going to be and what gap they were going to attack and I mean they did manage to keep the Patriot or the, the Bills defense on their heels. And I think a big reason for that is the amount of running backs they have, the amount of different styles of running backs they have. I mean, they're, they're capable of doing anything. And whenever you have guys like Damian Harrison and Ron J. Stevenson, who can pretty much both do everything on, you know, in terms of running the ball, it is very, very dangerous. I think it's a big reason why Damian Harris had his big, long touchdown at one point. I think it's a big reason why we saw Ron J. Stevenson have that big two point conversion. The you know, teams are just left guessing. They think Ron J. Stevenson is going to the outside. He goes to the inside. I mean, Harris is going to go to the inside. He goes to the outside. You, you just don't. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off priced so they won't have to visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping that's lightboxjewelry.com lightbox diamonds never a dull moment folks these running backs are so good at everything they do all right do you want to play our game now let's do it yeah so i have i have a game here that we're going to play and it is blind resume tests so i'm going to give you not enough information, but enough information that you have to make a decision between which of these resumes you would want to have both for this season and for seasons going forward at this point. So I'm going to get it so, similarly to the price is right, where you're going to have multiple doors and making your choices of which team you would want, which team you're going to give up. And again, I will give you not enough information to make any kind of accurate evaluation, but with fun little stats that will make things interesting and confusing. So blind resume tests. That is the game I have here for us. Let's do it. All right. I have five versions of this game here. The first one I'm going to throw out here. We have three teams. We have team A, team B, and team C for our first one. Some of these are two. Some of these are three teams. But our first one is, includes three teams. Three teams who all have the same record. At this point in the season, all three of them have the exact same record. Team A has the second most players on injured reserve according to percentage of salary cap. So evaluating injured reserve by percentage of salary cap allocated to those players. So they are the second most injured team this year. 
Team B is the fourth most injured team this year. And team C is the fifth least injured team this year. All right. Then team A is bottom half in the league in DVOA. Team C is top 10 in both offensive and defensive DVOA. But team B has the easiest strength of schedule left in the season. So I can go back and do each team one by one if you need it or any other questions in there, because obviously there's going to be information thrown out here. So that's what I have for our blind evaluation. Did you say Tim's team C's DVOA or team C has top 10 in both offensive and defensive DVOA? Oh man. Uh, That's tough. Interesting. So, I mean, usually just because they're the most injured team does not mean they are necessarily, you know, a good team, right? Like they maybe just had a bad, you know, a lot of contracts given to people who just weren't producing and they all of a sudden got hurt. So that's tough. Um, but I think I'm going to say you, you, you said team B has top 10 in both offensive and defensive DVOA. Team right? C team C oh. is top 10 in both team B has the easiest strength of schedule and the fourth most injured team. Gotcha, man. I guess I would probably, if I was picking who I would want to coach, I'm going to go from that angle. Like who, who would I would want to have the best team of being successful in the future. I would probably just go with team C because at least we know that they have a foundation of being solid in certain areas, despite them being healthy. All right. So here are the options that you passed up on in this game. Team a with the second most players on injured reserve, according to percentage of salary cap and bottom half in the league in team DVOA, total team DVOA, not offense or defense. You passed on the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. All right. Interesting. So then team B, the team that had the fourth highest total of injured reserve percentage, but had the easiest strength of schedule left in the season is the Tennessee Titans. Okay. And the team you selected, team C, with the fifth least injured team, but also top 10 in offensive and defensive DVOA is the Dallas Cowboys. All right. So, you know what? I actually like that. I actually think I like that. I I think if I was picking between those teams right now, I don't know. Well, I mean, I'd probably take the Ravens. I'll be honest. I'll probably take the Ravens. But Cowboys are probably second in my opinion. I would rather have the the, the Cowboys as the next best team there. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of this year, I think the Cowboys are the best team out of those. Uh, I, I think, think the, the injuries Titans play a lot into that. I think the injuries true, play a lot true. there. Possibly, possibly. But at the same time, I mean, we, we really just haven't, you know, we even though the Titans have big time injuries to guys like 
you know, AJ Brown and Julio Jones. I mean, we haven't seen a lot from them whenever they're healthy either. Really suggest. I mean, we have seen them win big games with those guys, but I mean, you know, how much better would they be with those guys in right now? I'm not. I, too I sure. think I can sum up your analysis right here. They're the Titans, and you just know they're the right. Titans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they're just the Titans, and I, I really just can't trust them. <laughs> uh, of course, because they're the Titans. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So I don't know. It, it is tough, though. I, but I definitely think the Cowboys are a good football team. So I'm OK with that. <laughs> yeah. And again, to reemphasize, all of these teams are eight and four right now. It's a very different winding road to get there. But all of these teams are currently eight and four. That is crazy. Yeah, it's been, it's been a weird ride for all of them so far. So. All right. The next one I have here, these are, this is between two teams, two teams that you get to pick between a team A and a team B here. So. Here's what we have for team A. So team A has the best road record between the two and team B has the best home record between the two. Team A has a top five defense in DVOA and team B also has a top five defense in DVOA. Now team B has a higher offensive DVOA, but team A has won a head-to-head against team B this season. So that is, that's the information I have here. A is better on the road. Team B is better at home. They both have top five defenses. Team B has a better offense, but team A won a head-to-head between the two teams. So would you like team A? Or team B? Oh, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't think home and away records matter as much, uh, at least on paper. Uh, and considering that one team won the head-to-head. You know what? You know, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the other team. I'm gonna take the team that's top ten in both offensive DVOA and defensive DVOA. I believe that's what you said, right? I just said that the team B had a better offense than the other team than okay. team A. I will take that team. That's the team that I, I would prefer in this case. So team B, the team with a better home record, both have top five defenses, and they have a better offense in DVOA than team A. So you team B is who you're going with. Correct. All right. You passed on team A, which is the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh. You have team B, which is the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Okay. And this is a fitting decision to put these together because on Monday this week, the Arizona Cardinals will travel to the Los Angeles Rams for battle for <laughs> NFC West supremacy. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I don't mind that. I, pref- I prefer personally the Rams over the Cardinals. So I'm okay with that. That's what I'll say. These two are very evenly matched, and that's kind of the cool part. Again, there's not enough information to make an accurate decision here, but it does create a little bit of in- intensity and drama when you're making these, these interesting decisions. So, all right, let's see what else here. 
Okay, this one this one's fun. So this is another two teamer. We've got we've got two teams here. I think I just realized I actually have six of these. I think yeah, I have six of these. I said five, but I actually have six. So next one I have here is a two teamer. Um, so team A has a top half offense and defense in DVOA so far this season. Team A also has the hardest strength of schedule left this season, and they're coming off a bye week. Now, Team B has a top 10 offense, but a bottom 10 defense in DVOA. So again, Team A, top 15 in bo- or top 16 in both. Team A or Team B, top 10 offense, bottom 10 defense. They have the 17th toughest strength of schedule. So they're right in the middle and they are currently on their bye week. So between those two options, would you like A or B? So this is just unclear. Team A was a team with a good, great offense, poor defense, right? Team B what team B was top 10 offense, bottom 10 defense. Team gotcha. A was top 16 in both. And both. then team A hardest strength of schedule, team B 17th strength of schedule. I will take You said team B is a harder strength of schedule, right? Team A has the hardest strength of schedule. Okay. So, team I'll, I'll t- yeah, sorry. In that case, I'll, sorry, I'll take team A as the team I'll, I'll take in this case. So team A, middle of the road in both, but hard strength of schedule. Team B, top 10 offense, bottom 10 defense, but middle of the road strength of schedule. And you're going with so, team A? Yeah, so here's my here's my thing here. I, I, I think at least with team A, you have to work, stuff to work with on both sides, right? And I, I like the idea of having more of a balanced team uh, you know, to work with because that means... You know, you. I think I feel like that makes you closer to being good on both sides uh, when, when it comes to uh, you know being a good enough team to win in football games at least. So uh, yeah, I'll take I'll take uh, the team with the better uh, or the more balanced team with the better record. I forgot better. to add one thing to the analysis. Not that it's super important, but both of these teams have the same number of wins right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably I'll probably stick with. Uh, a. A. Yes, team A. All righty. So the team that you passed on, which is team B, with the top 10 offense, bottom 10 defense, and middle of the road strength of schedule, and currently on their bye week, the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. And the team you selected with middle of the road offense, middle of the road defense, hardest strength of schedule in the league, the Cleveland Browns. Okay. You know, I like that. I like that. I definitely prefer the Browns over the Eagles. So I, I'm, I'm cool with that. I will all accept that. I just need a new quarterback is what I need. <laughs> <laughs> both team. I think both teams need a new quarterback at this point, not to disrespect Gardner Minshew, but yeah, I think both teams need a new the quarterback. Goat. It's fun to have him back, right? It's fun, fun to yeah. have that back in our lives. Love him. Love him to death. He's my favorite. Of course. Everyone's but- Yes, I'm, I'm glad he's back. So you're, you're rolling with the uh, the Cleveland Browns through this one. You're, I think you're hitting most of these pretty well. I think you're picking pretty well on most of these. So let's see this one. This one, I'm interested to see where you go because this this could be 
quite interesting. That's all I'll say. I can't say too much because that could spoil it, but this one's interesting. So three teams, team A, team B, team C. So team A and B have the same record, but team C is one game better than the other two. But team A has been outscored by 10 points this year. B has been outscored by 60 points this year. And team C with the better record has been outscored by 110 points this year. Odd. So team A has a bottom half defense. And team C has a bottom half defense. But the second team, the team being outscored by 60, has a top half defense in the league. So they are above average in defense. The other two are below average in defense. Only team A has a top half offense in the NFL. So to to simplify that a little bit, the team being outscored by 10 has bottom half defense, top half offense. Team B being outscored by 60 has a top half defense, bottom half offense. And the team with a one game better record being outscored by 110 has bottom half defense, bottom half offense. Okay. So you said team a had, okay. Okay. I I know my pick. I will pick team a here. All right. So you were rolling with smallest point differential. Yes. Bottom half defense, but top half offense. And also one game worse than the last team. Yes. All right. Let's see who you passed on in this equation. So team B is the team outscored by 60 with a top half defense and a bottom half offense. You passed on the New York Giants. Okay. (laughs) Pretty happy with that. (laughs) (laughs) Team C, the team with a better record, outscored by 110 points and bottom half in both, uh, is actually bottom five in both this season, but somehow has a better record than these other two teams. You passed on the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Okay. Pretty happy with that, too. (laughs) Depends (laughs) on the last team. The team you selected outscored by only 10 points this year, bottom half defense, but currently a top half offense in DVOA, the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I, I, okay. So that, that makes sense. That makes sense though, because they were definitely outscoring opponents at the beginning of the season, but then after Russell Wilson's injury, it's been a lot worse. So I'm I would probably take the Falcons here, but I will accept the Seahawks. Yeah, the Falcons are currently five and seven. The other two teams are four and eight in this equation. So the Falcons, right. while being absolutely terrible, are still five and seven this year. It's insane. I, I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I think it's just beating the beating a lot of Jets and Jaguars on the schedule, I think, is how they kind of. Oh, also, I forgot that one game where they had like a magical fourth quarter comeback against the Saints. That's the other way they did it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they had a couple. I mean, they had a really good start to the season, to be fair. Like they really weren't bad at the start of the season. It, it just really went downhill after that. 
they went 27 consecutive possessions without scoring. <laughs> or oh not, sorry, not scoring a touchdown. They went 27 consecutive possessions without scoring a touchdown. That's horrible. <laughs> I mean, that is literally terrible. It's, it's really unbelievable how bad they were for that stretch in the middle of the season when they were playing good defenses. They just no chance. Just no chance for the Falcons. They just they need to reset. That's all. I mean, it's just it's just what has to happen. I mean, they have talent on that team without question, but they they are just. I mean, at, at this point, if 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 they were going to win, you know, they, they would be winning by now. And obviously, they're not winning, so they they need to reset. Well, this is the part that made me sad. Is like now the Falcons suck, but they're also not fun anymore. Like they're not playing these chaotic games in the one o'clock yeah. window of the red zone. It's like now they're now they suck and they're boring. That's that's unfortunate. Like if you're yeah. gonna be if you're gonna be mediocre or bad, at least like be fun. At least they have Cordell Patterson. That's the only reason why I watch him now. That's it. Yeah, every now and then they'll give us just the hope of a Vikings chaos game. I think they had one against Washington earlier this year where it was like, what is happening? It's basically like the Seahawks or the new Falcons now where it's just like, why can't you just play a normal game? It's like just physically impossible for them to play normal football games. The Seahawks have kind of replaced Seahawks and Vikings both have kind of replaced the Chargers and Falcons in that respect. Yeah, uh, I guess you're right. Yeah, Um, but at the same time, I want to say I. I don't even find Seahawks games very entertaining anymore, which is how bad they play. So I don't know. It's crazy. Last week's game was stupid, though. At least last week's Seahawks yeah. game was pretty stupid. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All righty. Next up, we have two teams that we're competing for here. So this first team, well, actually, let's do it very specifically here. So you have a team here that is 30th in offensive DVOA and eighth in defensive DVOA, and then another team that is 32nd in offensive DVOA, 10th in defensive DVOA. Both teams have battled injuries with their quarterbacks this year, and Team B, the one that's 32nd and 10th, has the fewest players in the NFL signed to their current roster at the end of the season. So these teams are very similar in resumes on the DVOA side. Both have quarterback injuries and the other team has fewest players signed. So would you take 30th on offense, eighth on defense or 32nd, 10th and the fewest players signed on the roster at the end of this season? I'm going to pick team B because I feel like they have a lot more cap space to work with in the future. Cause without all of those players, you know, you have so much more to work with in general. <laughs> what if I gave you the caveat that team a actually has more cap space this off season than team B. <laughs> yeah, I will take a, give me team a there. it's kind wow. of funny how that worked out, but yes, you said that. And I'm just like, no, that's too funny to not add as information. What if I told you that B has the fewest players signed, but A has more cap space now this offseason than Team B. That is wild. I mean, that is crazy. <laughs> okay, that, that is more fair. So you pick Team A. Team A is the Carolina Panthers, and Team B is the Houston Texans. Well, I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> Very glad. Very glad. I made the right decision. Thank you. Uh, this is also a way to foray into asking you about your boy, Joe Brady, who is kind of scapegoated by Matt rule <laughs> this week and getting Man. fired. Yeah. What happened? I mean, he's fallen off completely. I just feel like at this point, I think it's pretty obvious. He just belongs in the college 
uh, as a college coach. And I mean, he will be very, very, very sought after at, at a, uh, either a coordinator position or a head coach in college. And I think that's where he needs to be. Yeah. And they didn't set him up. I mean, the offense is just totally broken for the Panthers in, in one part, but last year he overperformed with Teddy Bridgewater this year. It's just been a total cluster in Carolina trying to figure that out. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, it feels like he got scapegoated a little bit like it's and Matt rules, obviously a hot seat coach going into next year, but I, it still feels weird that the timing of all of that, that they made the move. I feel like there's something internal that we don't know about either from the owner or a fallout with rule or whatever the situation might've been. I feel like there's something there we don't know about like dysfunction or combative something going on in the Panthers organization. Yeah. Uh, I could see, I could see that being the case uh, because it really felt like it was a last minute decision to fire him. And it happened like right before uh, the game on Sunday, it was just really awkward how that all worked out. And yeah, I, I definitely see an argument to be made that there might be something underground that we don't know about. Yeah. just weird situation. I know Miami, not the dolphins, the university of Miami is connected to him. Oklahoma is right. connected to him as an offensive coordinator. Now, obviously, he's going to probably go back to college at this point. And that'll be the Joe Brady foray. But I don't think he wants to recruit. I think that was the whole reason why he went to Carolina in the first place was that he he's NFL roots. He was with the Saints when he was discovered by Ed Orgeron, discovered in air quotes. Like, I feel like he doesn't want to recruit, I think, was the word behind why he went back to the NFL in the first place. I mean, I'm sure if they give him enough money, he'll be interested in going back. But I, I think. <laughs> And I mean, I would still love him to come to Cincinnati. I mean, I, I know that he's not been as good as what we thought of him as, but three and nine with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, I would love it. Yeah, you could. You don't even need him as the head coach anymore because now he's not in high right. demand. So you can just hire him as the OC. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would I would love uh, a Joe Brady for sure. All right. Here's the last one I have for you here. It's again, two teams is all we have left. Two teams. The first team is currently 19th in the league in injury percentage, and they are five and seven against the spread and two and four record at home. Team two is first in the league in injury percentage relative to cap space. They are eight and four this year against the spread, and they are one and five when playing at home. So both teams struggling at home. One has injury concerns and then obviously playing against the spread, which is a fun gambling thing to throw in here. So team a 19th in injuries, fifth, five and seven against the spread and two and four at home. So slightly better record at home. Team two is first in injury percentage, eight and four against the spread, but one and five record at home. I value teams who can play closer despite not winning because I think that that's a good indicator of them being able to build a better team for the future. So I will hesitantly pick team B. All right. And also team B has been battling injuries a lot this year. while still playing close. Exactly. Yes. So the team you passed on team a with not enough information at all is the new Orleans saints. Okay. Which ironically, I was stunned that they were only 19th in the league in injuries relative to cap space. So again, yeah. that is kind of crazy. 
Because obviously Kamara and Thomas have been out for pretty much a good portion of the season. So that is crazy. I'm surprised by that. The team that you selected is Man Campbell's Detroit Lions. Let's go. Eight and four against the spread this season, but didn't get a win until last week. You are rolling with Man Campbell and the Detroit Lions. (laughs) Oh, oh, no. God. Uh, you got me once. You got me once for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With not enough information, I leaned you towards Man Campbell and the Detroit Lions just to point out the fact that they have had the most injuries in the NFL this year and are still eight and four against the spread. So that shout out to Man Campbell and the Lions. That is actually impressive, though. Give credit to Man Campbell and the Lions. That's actually tough. The fact that they have that many injuries, a first in the league in injuries, and are able to still be able to keep games close despite i mean i guess the the, the spreads are like 20 anyways so that might be why but <laughs> i don't know I, in fairness this is cheating a little bit because it is injuries relative to percentage of cap space and the detroit lions have the smallest salary cap number in the nfl this year so it's cheating a little bit and saying they're first but at the same time they have had a lot of injuries yeah, I guess it's fair. I mean, I'm I'm not going to argue it because I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously it's a stat. So I mean, I, that is crazy though. I, I am shocked that uh, old man Campbell uh, is able to uh, keep this team up on his uh, up on his toes ever so slightly, just ever barely keeping him on their toes. But th- even like uh, we said this coming out of the draft, like Lions fans, it's going to stink. But at least you have a plan. At least it looks right. like you guys have a plan. At the same time. Like, I prefer this. I prefer, like, you're in a lot of one-possession games, but you're losing all the one-possession games because that's the best way to tank is, like, your team is losing the 50-50 games because who cares if you win the 50-50 games or not? Like, if you're right. in those games, that's the part that matters. It means you have some level of talent. And if you lose all the 50-50 games, you get a higher draft pick. I feel like that's the most effective way for them to tank at this point. Well, that's exactly how the Bengals were last year. And, of course, now we see them becoming a really good team. They were losing a lot of close one-possession games uh, and were unable to take advantage of it and win, of course. And the moment they were able to uh, get a couple of good free agent signings, of course, they become a very good and complete team. So, I mean, I doubt this the Lions going to follow in their footsteps, but there's certainly a possibility that if they get a good quarterback, they could. Lions have cap space. And even if they don't pick a quarterback, like the Lions have been shrewd about not taking a quarterback unless they know it's going to be that guy they could roll out with Jared Goff again next year it's not like they're ready to compete next year it's not going to be like a one-year turnaround for them they could throw Jared Goff out there again they're still paying him 20 million dollars anyways I don't know if anyone's eager to trade for part of Jared Goff or them to absorb part of his contract in a trade like the Jaguars did with Nick Foles like just just roll out Jared Goff again doesn't matter if you win or lose just put Jared Goff out there again yeah, I mean, I'm not against it because, I mean, at this point, you know, th- there really isn't any quarterbacks in the offseason that I feel enticing enough to replace Jared Goff or to replace with, with Jared Goff. I mean, I wouldn't, I guess, be opposed to them drafting a quarterback and putting Jared Goff as like the starter, maybe like right in front of them. But at this point, I mean, I mean, again, like, I just don't know if there's enough talent uh, out there right now that I feel comfortable in, in, you know, just choosing someone else over Jared Goff. And that's crazy for me to say, but at the same time, I think it's true. 
What about with like the 33rd pick in the draft? Like not the, not, not with the Thibodeau pick that they're going to use first overall, but what if they have like the first pick in the second round? Could they get well, like first round talent at second round prices this year? They could, but they also had a late first this year. Uh, so, I mean, you know, maybe they go for a later Kenny Pickett or something like that. And that, that could certainly work as maybe being a temporary, uh, you know, I mean, guy that you put behind Jared Goff and try to develop for the future. Uh, or like you said, maybe they go for the later uh, second round pick and take a Desmond Ritter at, at quarterback or something like that. Someone that needs more development at quarterback. Uh, maybe that's another uh, option they can go towards. I mean, there are options out there. They have the picks to go out there and, and find a quarterback that's temporary enough to put behind Jared golf but again i mean is 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 this a team that is willing to to take that risk right now or do you want to make sure you're in a position where you have enough cap space and enough money to be able to build a team that you could absolutely trust is good enough to be able to go out there and you know give you give you enough to be able to win a football game and obviously i i think the the important part for them is to just get talent like it this the vibe kind of reminds me of when the um uh, it was, I want to say 2017 was 2017. The Deshaun Kaiser draft. Was he the same class as Mahomes and Watson? Um, I'm not I, sure. I was going to say either way, it, it doesn't matter that much, but I just remember Cleveland had so many draft picks that at a certain point they just said, ah, eh, we'll take Deshaun Kaiser, throw him out there, just see what happens. And they totally set him up to fail. So like, even that way, I think like, that's a situation they could do. Like they know they're trying to lose, but they could just set up the pick to fail because the right. team is not going to be very good next year. They're probably going to be like, not, you know, first pick in the draft, but probably like fourth pick in the draft bad next year. And they really need like players on defense, but they could just draft like a Davis mills and just be like, yeah, we're not really like third round picks rarely ever turn out. We'll just take a f- frequent flyer miles on them and just throw them out there and let them try and play quarterback. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I just looked it up. Yes, you're correct. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser was in that draft with uh, Mahomes and uh, Deshaun Watson and boy, did that not age well at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were people that were talking about him being a first round pick and then he like felt, the- Oh, I remember why I know this because um, Cleveland traded the 12 picks. So the Texans could get Deshaun Watson. And then they took a quarterback anyways in the second round. Like it's, it was so dumb. They, they passed on Deshaun Watson just to take Kaiser in the second round and just totally set him up to fail in the NFL. Uh, that was, I mean, the Browns have had a lot of rough moments, but that, that 2017 draft, a lot of teams had a lot of rough moments. There was everyone that passed up on, uh, on uh, Mahomes or Watson were kicking themselves at the end of the draft. John Ross, <laughs> John Ross. Yeah. Don't remind me. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> John Ross. Uh, Bengals took John Ross one pick before. Uh, yeah. All right, here's the other game I have, which is just going down the list of uh, of injuries by percentage of cap space this year. Because, you know, like we do all this analysis of football and sometimes it just comes down to who stays healthy. Like we talked about this in, you know, baseball last year. It's like, well, you know, the Dodgers got hurt at the end. So the Braves won that. And then the Astros got hurt. So the Braves won the World Series. In the NBA, all of the top 10 teams had a starter or top player get injured in the playoffs last year. Obviously, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year injuries. Baltimore's entire dynasty has been derailed by injuries. Like sometimes it's just a matter of who's the healthiest at the end of the season, like the Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl last year. So we talked about who has been the most injured this year in the game a lot, like Detroit number one, Baltimore number two. 
and the Titans number four were the ones that we threw out there. So I want to go to the other end of the spectrum because I haven't said any of the teams on this list of who are the five healthiest teams by percentage of cap space in the 2020 season, 2021 season. Oh, okay. We'll play, this, we'll play this the same way we play those DVOA and penalty games where I'll, I'll tell you who you hit in the top five and you can just keep guessing until you get the five healthiest teams. All right. Uh, my first answer is going to be. I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs are the second healthiest team in the NFL this year. Only 3.4% of their cap space is currently on injured reserve. Yeah. They, they also have the second fewest players in the league on injured reserve with five. There is one team that has four who is actually not in the top 10, which I assume means they just have one big injury. And I know who it is now that I think about it. Okay. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I was pretty confident in the Chiefs being one. Um, Chiefs are two. Yeah, Chiefs are second on the second right. healthiest, but they are in the top five. Yeah. Let's see. What about... <laughs> Man. Um... Also, just as a note from the game, the Dallas Cowboys were sixth healthiest. So the Cowboys okay. are right on the edge there. Okay. All right. Um, what about the Rams? The Rams are the eighth healthiest team in the league this year. Only 7.7%, but I think Robert Woods kind of put them right over the edge. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, huh. Um, let's go with the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals are kind of middle of the pack, like 18th wow. healthiest team. I think, I think of any JJ Watt did a little bit to them. Um, oh. I guess JJ Watt kind of makes up a little bit of that calf space. Who else has been injured this year? I think one of their offensive linemen went out for season. I'm trying to remember because I do a, I, I do I produce a Cardinals podcast. So I think one of their offensive linemen is out for season. Um, obviously, Max Williams. Little guys like that. Um, what about the Patriots? Uh, the Patriots are eleventh healthiest. Okay, so eight point six two percent. Okay. Um, I'll take. Man, this is tough. Tough. Uh. This is a complete shot in the dark. What about the Dolphins? Dolphins are 15th. Or sorry, 15th not healthy. So they're they're right in the middle, pretty much. They're pretty much the dead middle. Man, this is tough. Um all of these games are tough. You end up guessing like yeah. every team down the list because they're just totally random and difficult to figure out. Right. Yeah. It yeah, that is exactly what happens. Um, man, uh, let me take, (sighs) 
The other scary part about this game is I could just choose a different metric and you'd get a totally different one. This is just current right. percentage of cap space specifically. So, yeah, I can't. Uh, I'm trying to think of a. I was about to pick someone, but I, I'm not going to do that because I don't think it's them. Um, what about? I'll do the no. I'll, I'll do the Chargers. I'll do the Chargers. Chargers are tenth healthiest, so they're they're near the top of healthiest teams, but they are not in the top five. Oh man, this is tough. There's another uh, funny part about this: one of these teams is really bad, and it's going to be really funny when we pick them. Is that the Texans? It is not the Texans. The Texans, oh. I think, are up there pretty high and and not healthy. Yeah, Texans have been unlucky this year. All right. Yeah, I was going to say because I'm too sure. Um, man, this is tough. Uh, what about the Bears? The Bears are right with the Texans. They are uh, ninth unhealthiest this year. So the Bears have remarkably been unlucky. Uh, I'm thinking like Tevin Jenkins, but he's on a rookie contract, so that's not that big. Oh, I know why. Khalil Mack just went on the IR a couple weeks ago. Gotcha. Uh, let's do let's do the Buccaneers. They are number one for the second consecutive season. The Tampa Bay so Buccaneers are the healthiest team in the NFL. So lucky, man. That's crazy. So I Alex Guerrero working his voodoo magic out there. <laughs> Buccaneers and Chiefs so far, right? Yep. One and two. I'm thinking about bad teams that have been healthy, right? I know the Jets have dealt with injuries. The Lions have dealt with injuries. I already said Texans. That was a no. What about the Falcons? It's the Falcons. <laughs> it's it's the Falcons. Falcons are third healthiest in the league, and they're still absolutely dog shit. <laughs> 28th in offensive DVOA, 29th in defensive DVOA. <laughs> they're so one of the healthiest teams in the they're NFL. So oh, that is disgusting. <laughs> Which means the Falcons are just stupid lucky this year. Like for all the bad luck they had last year being like one in nine in one possession games. That means they're ridiculously lucky this year. They're one of the worst teams in the league and they're just super lucky. Yeah. Honestly, like think about it. If it wasn't for, if, if they had these average amount of injuries and no Cordero Patterson, they would be the worst team in football right now. I think easily. Right. I mean, no, pretty close. Some of their players got injured like normal teams. They would be the worst team in the NFL. And that is crazy because they are almost in playoff contention right now. <laughs> I mean, sort of. When they were they were one point like the seven seed, I'm like, let's not pretend they're actually a playoff team. There's no chance they're gonna make the playoffs. But <laughs> let's see. Who have they beaten this year? Because I know they've gotten boat raced a few times, but obviously we said the Saints, they beat the Jets, they beat the ah, God, who did they beat earlier in the year? They beat the Jaguars last week. Or two weeks ago. Who else did they beat this year? They beat, oh, they beat Miami. That's right. And then they beat the Giants. Okay, so they've just beaten all terrible teams and lost to any team that has a semblance of a good defense or offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is crazy. Um, I, I, before I pick another team, is this like right now, like this, like this week in terms of IR? Because like, I'm trying to think like, I was thinking about the Packers because I know that Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari, and Zadarius Smith all might come off the IR this week. So I didn't know if they were counting in this or not. Uh, 
I'm trying to see on here where it says it was last updated, but it doesn't say um, to answer your question. The Packers are not on the list and the Packers okay. are Packers are pretty high. So I assume that you're probably not updated yet for, you know, the last two days or so, or maybe last day. Cause the Packers are like one of the unluckiest teams in health. They're like 10th unhealthiest. Right. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause I mean, they, that's three of their biggest stars are out. So I didn't know they all, they all might be coming back this week. So it might be very, very likely that they might all of a sudden become in the top five after this week. So uh, I'm not too sure. Um, let's go with. What about, what about Philadelphia, the Eagles? Philadelphia is middle of the pack as well. They're like 16th. So they're literally right in the middle. Uh, They're cheating the game a little bit, I think, because they have fewer players, but again, they don't have a ton of cap space allocated to, you know, I think, I think they're getting knocked up a little bit because they have like 31 million in dead cap space to Carson Wentz. So I think they're cheating the game a little bit there. That's true. That's true. Um, what about what about the Seahawks? The Seahawks are fourth. You got this one. The Seahawks are fourth on this list. Uh, only 4.5% of their cap space is currently on IR, which I guess is just Chris Carson. Pretty much. Yeah. Wow. That, that is wild. Um, last team. I already said the Rams, right? Yep. The Rams were eighth. Okay. Uh, what, what about the Raiders? Uh, where are the Raiders? The Raiders are 12th healthiest. So they're kind of around where the Chargers and Patriots were. Okay. Okay. Um, what about, what about the, what about the Colts? That's it. Kind of That's it. it. The Colts nice. are the fifth healthiest. Okay. That was that was one of the best you've done with this game. You you had a lot of teams that you didn't name. You didn't go to you know the Vikings or the Browns well, or. But, but to be fair, a lot of those are already eliminated though from earlier. <laughs> this fair, fair. I knew a couple of them. Like I knew the entire AFC North had a lot of injuries, right? So I knew I could eliminate those. Uh, I knew uh, you know you, you said that it was a it was a, one of them was a bad team, so I eliminated a lot of the other bad teams. Yeah, the one you didn't guess was the Jaguars. The Jaguars are also funny because they're eighth healthiest and also absolutely terrible. So the Jaguars are also funny in there that they're they're remarkably healthy this year and also just absolutely terrible. Yikes. Yeah, that's that's rough. (laughs) You just go into Jaguars games knowing they're going to get destroyed. Like I was laughing at that the other day. Kyle Shanahan had like a 13 and a half minute drive that ended in a field goal. He still scored 30 points against the Jaguars because the Jaguars are just so bad. I feel so bad for their like very few stars they have on the team. Like the guys that actually are like pretty okay pieces. And the fact that they just had to play with just terrible other players like Josh Allen, Miles Jack. And then, you know, I mean, I would oh, I forgot Miles Jack is still there. <laughs> he's, st- he's the only guy left. Good. I know. Good. But I mean, they like, traded literally everyone else from the 2017 defense. He's the only one left at this point. I know he's, he's like the uh, he's like the um, the uh, Earl Thomas of the final Seahawks uh, defense. It's it's crazy. I mean, or I don't Bobby know why Wagner. He, Bobby Wagner's still hanging around yeah, Seattle. Wagner, that's true. That's true. I didn't think about that. But uh, and Miles Jack is still young, though. Like, what is he? Like, what 27? 27? That didn't stop him from trading Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> 
That's true. That's true. That is still the worst idea I think they've ever had ever. I mean, I just, I mean, Jalen Ramsey wanted out, I guess. So they kind of had, hey, I mean, the, the, the victory they got out of it was being bad enough to get Trevor Lawrence, which brings me to my next question is, do we have any idea if Trevor Lawrence is good at football? No clue. And honestly, I mean, at this point, it's crazy to say, I think we know more about Mac Jones as a quarterback than we do Trevor Lawrence, which if you, if I told you that last year, I would have slapped myself in the face, honestly, because <laughs> That's just wild to me, but uh, I couldn't I mean, believe yeah. that though, just because the Patriots have a better foundation. Like, I feel like the reason we don't know about Trevor Lawrence is just because like we've been talking about that team is so dog shit that there's nothing, he, there, there's nothing he can do. Like there's no offensive line, minimal weapons. His running backs are going in and out. His defense can't stop anyone like Daryl Bevel. I've been saying for eight weeks, my entire analysis of the Jaguars is just fire Daryl Bevel. Cause I can't evaluate Trevor Lawrence because the, the offensive coordinator is so bad. I am very, very interested to see what the Jaguars do next year on offense. Ideally, with a new offensive coordinator, you probably have DJ Shark back. Uh, you, you probably have a, your rookie running back, Travis Etienne, back. Uh, maybe you draft another guy, a wide receiver. You have a healthy, uh, you know, a healthy core of guys there. I'm healthy Agnew week. at wide receiver. They're going to move Agnew to wide receiver now and, yeah. and get Lavishka Chenault back. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, I'm interested to see where they go with that because, I mean, I, I have a good feeling, and I actually I actually did a fantasy strategy here. I have a good feeling that ETN is going to be a big part of their offensive game plan in some way uh, with, with the uh, with with the Jaguars. But I also think that they are not willing to just completely throw out James Robinson as well. So I'm interested to see what they do with ETN in terms of how he's going to be in the game, or like how he's going to be effective in this game. Is he going to be a part of a two running back system, or is, is he going to be a workhorse? Is he going to be uh, you know because I mean. This is a guy that is not the best when it comes to passing downs, but also has potential run out to catch. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if they maybe try to get him into more of a receiving back role. I mean, there's a lot of things that they could do with ETN. I feel like his what he what what they choose to do with him next year is going to really depend a lot on how I think of him as a football team. I'm worried that they just picked him because of Trevor Lawrence, and it's probably the likely option or likely scenario of what happened. But at the same time, if they actually ended up picking him for another reason or able to use him in an effective way that works and he can become a dominant running back i'm excited to see what that what that would turn out to be so if i'm the jaguars i think back. this reminds me of the terry mclaurin situation i had last year where i'm like if you can get a first round pick for terry mclaurin i would trade terry mclaurin if i'm washington maybe not the case anymore because i feel like washington this offseason is just gonna like splurge on offensive players with their picks and cap space um so maybe not anymore but it reminds me here where it's like you got james robinson for nothing you can trade him maybe for like a second and a fourth or a second and another player right now, maybe for James Robinson. Like if you can get something else for him, I would be like not inclined to like, not that he's untouchable, but for the right price, I would move him just because you, you signed him as an undrafted free agent. And if you flip him for a second round pick, you can quantify the value that's being created there. Uh, even if it's like, even if it's accounting for a sunk cost of drafting ETN in the first round, which, you know, I still think that was weird when they first did it and him being injured, you know, makes me want to double down on me being right about them taking ETN in the first round. But even still, I feel like I wouldn't be opposed to trading Robinson for like a player and a second round pick at this point, because that's pretty good value on return for an undrafted rookie free agent. Right. I mean, this is the ideal running back for a football team right now a guy that you don't have to pay a lot but you know can come in and be a starter and give you a thousand yard season i mean that, that's what he is he's, he's he's making bare minimum money 
obviously. He's a rookie, so he's super young still. He's a lot of potential left. He can get better, right? I mean, he has a couple more years on his contract, more than what the I think, I think it's up. one year left. So I think undrafted rookie contracts are three years, and then you hit restricted free agency. So this is Robinson's second year. So he would have one year, and then he's a restricted free agent, I think. Still, I mean, yeah, still, though, in terms of like a one year, if you wanted to get him for one year or if you wanted to keep him long term, I could really, really see a team like the maybe the Houston Texans uh, who are, are in need of running backs now without uh, Mark Ingram and, and um, uh, uh, Philip Lindsay, uh, guys like uh, maybe teams like uh, I don't know the Dolphins who can still use running backs. They have Miles Gaskin, but how good is he? <laughs> Dolphins will never get another running back. It's always Miles Gaskin. We, we never... they, every running back in the NFL, we don't need him because we got Miles Gaskin. The Dolphins will never add another running back because it's just only Miles Gaskin. Or or maybe it's a team like the Arizona Cardinals who have maybe some solid running backs in, in Edmonds and, and Connor. But you got to think maybe if you move on from those guys, you save a lot more cap space. You get, get like James Robinson for a couple of picks that really don't matter that much to you in terms of uh, how much value you're going to get from those picks and it's going to be later picks. Maybe you can use that cash space to go out and get more free agents. I can make a move that makes a lot of sense for a team like that. Um, you know, I know the Rams had a lot of running backs as well, but also you got to think there's just a lot of uncertainty there. Maybe the Rams go and look for another running back uh, to see if maybe they want to choose more of a reliable guy. Um, you know, or maybe maybe there's a team like the Carolina Panthers who are like, hey, we don't have a healthy Christian McCaffrey. We, we might move on from him this offseason. Let's go get another guy we can rely on to be a starter until then. And that could be a guy like James Robinson. So I, if I am a team like the Jaguars, I am shopping James Robinson this offseason without question because you can get a lot of value from this guy. You're not losing any cap space or you're not really gaining or losing any cap space, but you really don't need to anyways. So the team's going to be enticed to trade for him because they know that they're not going to pay a lot of money for him at all. Um, and at the same time, if you already have your running back of the future in ETN, why not just focus on him and let him do what he needs to do and be the workhorse? That makes a lot of sense for so many reasons, and it gives you extra picks to be able to use to get other assets here in the future. I mean, that would be an absolute ideal situation for Jacksonville. So to update, I was right on about the undrafted contract thing. So ETN will make $875,000 next season, uh, and then he'll be a restricted free agent the year after. So maybe a trade includes a contract extension right. for him. You know, so you pay one year where he's not making anything. And then after that, he's making, you know, whatever money he gets, whether it's a Melvin Gordon contract or whatever he gets. But maybe it includes a contract extension where forever, wherever he goes. So uh, Robinson, yeah. right? You said ETN. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Robinson, not ETN. Yeah. yeah J- Robinson. 875,000 next year. And then he's a restricted free agent after 2022. Yeah. Uh, I, I like it. It makes a lot of sense because I mean, there's going to be teams out there who see that and they're going to be salivating. Cause they're, I mean, like they're like, you know, we're going to get a, a, a potential top 10 rusher uh, for $875,000. You can be able to, you know, release all your other running backs. You're paying a lot more money. You can use that cap space to, you know, use other, uh, you know, use other, uh, uh, use the rest of the cash space to get other free agents. Uh, that makes a lot of sense for a team that's willing to win now. You know, that just makes that just makes a lot of sense for a team that's trying to win now or has a surplus of picks like the Texans or the Jets or some team like that. But at the same time, the Jets already have a rookie, so it would make sense for them. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, if I'm the Jaguars, I, I'm, I'm attacking that so much because, I mean, if you can get any value, I mean, I don't even know if I would trade a second round pick for James Robinson. I would, if I'm the Jaguars and I see a third, I'm taking it. I'll take a third for James Robinson without a doubt Ooh. right now. I think it's interesting interesting so i was i was even throwing a player in the mix there i was thinking it's similar to like the the zach Ertz trade the cardinals made at the deadline where it's like tay gowan a fifth round pick from last year plus a 
Uh, I think it was like a fourth round pick or something in there. So maybe yeah, I could do that. Yeah. The fourth a, and a fifth. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense as well. I would, I would say even you could, I think you could get a second round pick for James Robinson, but maybe not. Maybe that's the asking price. Maybe you don't sell for that low, but I guess day two and day three picks are, or sorry, day, second and third round picks aren't that much of a difference. Pretty often you can get the same person you're targeting in the second round as the third round. Sometimes they fall through the cracks. Yeah, maybe. I just, I, I, I still think that the league just really just doesn't value running backs in terms of trades much at all. We've never really seen. When was the last big? I mean, we, we saw Melvin Gordon for a second, right? Was that what it was? Prime Melvin Gordon, pretty much for a second, I think. Did uh, he get traded? I can't remember if Melvin got traded or if he signed as a free agent. I can't remember if he got traded. I think that's someone else, maybe. I don't know who. Did Todd Gurley get traded or did he leave? Todd Gurley got cut. I know Kenyon Drake got traded. Let me see what he got traded for. Uh, to Cardinals. So, Kenyon Drake got traded for a sixth round pick. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Mark Ingram was traded for like a conditional seventh or something like that. Uh, so they, they didn't really get anything for him, nor should they. But yeah, I guess big running backs haven't been traded recently. I guess Drake is probably the closest I can think of to it. Maybe. How? how- for some reason, I wanted to say that there was a running back that got traded for a second recently, but I thought he was pretty good. So I was trying to figure out who that was, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't think it was Melvin because I think Melvin signed as a free agent because he held out and then didn't get anything. I'm trying to think who are, who are right. running backs that have switched teams in the last couple of years. Um, Connor was a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I can't hmm. I can't think of anyone really who was in there who got like traded and, and immediately was a big producer on the team they went to. Right. That and that uh, is actually Yeah, Fournette got cut. Um and yeah, I can't think of anyone. That's that's a big reason why though I think so many teams are gonna be looking at that and they're like, why can't we just go out and get a free agent running back that's you know cheaper? You know, like that that is worrying me in terms of value for Robinson. But I mean I don't know. Maybe maybe they do find a team that is willing to pay that much for a, a good 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 running back that's young as well. I mean that's that could be someone's potential future running back for the next five years. I mean that's that's a big deal. Yeah, especially. I mean, assuming the healthiness. Like as someone who has a, is a proud James Robinson fantasy owner, I think the injuries are very much a concern now for him. But uh, you know, maybe maybe he has something in him for like four or five years. Certainly. I mean, that could be a possibility. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I, when I was talking about Melvin Gordon earlier, I can see him being like Melvin Gordon in terms of talent. Like I, I can see him being in that area, you know, where he's getting like, he's like no, maybe like nine or 10 in his prime. And then slowly starts to turn down. And he gets overtaken by another running back in the future. Like he could have a very, very solid career in the NFL. If he goes to a team that has a pretty solid offensive line. Well, so that one's hard because Melvin Gordon was obviously a first round talent and James Robinson right. is obviously not that. So I like I try to think of like who are people later in the draft who kind of, you know, had booming careers as running backs. And, you know, the list is few and far between. I think of like, you know, David Johnson being a third rounder or, you know, Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay's the one I think of all the time because he was also undrafted, but Philip Lindsay, you know, he kind of fell apart real quick after yeah. I think he was second in the league in rushing his rookie year. Something that was only three years ago. So yeah, maybe maybe James Robinson is just a byproduct of the offense that he plays in. Like, not that he's not like a, a not 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 that he's not a starting caliber running back who fell between the cracks in the draft, but also 
he just is a dime a dozen running back. And if that's the case, then maybe, yeah, a second round pick is asking a bit much. Yeah. I don't know. That's going to be interesting. I, I would love to see a trade like that go through, though. I'd be interested to see the value that's given for a guy, James Robinson. Maybe I, I got a good comparison. How about it? Like a Marlon Mack? It's got a Marlon Mack career trajectory. Maybe. Marlon Mack also fell off pretty quick, too. I mean, once you yeah, got but pretty much over for him. Two 1,000 yard seasons behind maybe the best offensive line in the NFL. That's another question I got before you before we leave. Like, it, how much of the Jonathan Taylor thing is just that the offensive line got healthy and now, you know, anyone can rush for 1,000 yards behind that Colts offense? And Jonathan Taylor just happens to be more talented than any of the other running backs they've had for the past four years. Yeah. Um, I think it's a big deal. Uh, I mean, I, I like Jonathan Taylor. I think he's good. Uh, do I think talent wise, he's 400 yards better than second best running back in the league? No. Who is still uh, Derrick Henry, by the way, Derrick Henry is still the second leading rusher in the NFL. Go make some passing this week. But yeah, oh, uh, oh, it was, it was fun while it lasted for five <laughs> goddamn weeks after he got hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I was about to say the same thing, but uh, Mixon barely passed. I think, I think Henry has like a 934. Mixon has like 976. I want to say it's oh. barely. But he's still ahead of like Nick Chubb and all these other running backs who are really good right now, which is astounding to think. But um, Lamar Jackson's well, yeah. still up there. I know Lamar Jackson was like fifth in rushing earlier in the season. Uh, I'll, I'll figure five, that out. Top ten. Uh, but yeah, um, not too sure. But I mean, like in terms of talent, I don't think he's. 400 yards better than anyone else. Obviously, I think Tarek Henry still obviously the top dog. I would still take Kamara, Kamara, uh, or Kamara, 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 McCaffrey, you know, Dalvin Cook. Um, <gasps> no, Mark Ingram is the fifth leading rusher in the NFL. What? No way. Mark Ingram is the fifth leading rusher in the league. That's ridiculous. As he has 821 rushing yards this year. What? That's insane. He's ahead of Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Zeke, then Lamar's 10. But oh my God, Mark Ingram is fifth in the league in rushing. That's what just the world. That is crazy. Yeah. Oh, I never imagined that. I, my guess would my guess would have been like uh I don't know, maybe like Maybe like Najee Harris. I could see Najee Harris being in there. Six, six is Gibson, Antonio Gibson, and then then seven is Najee Harris. But does yeah. Mark Ingram even have a hundred yard rushing game this year? I don't think he does. I'm Did honest, they mess I, this up? This is not Mark Ingram has three hundred rushing yards according to this. Did they mess this up? Who yeah. are they? Is that Alvin Kamara? Did they put Did they put Mark Ingram stats on Alvin Kamara? No, it's not Alvin Kamara either. Did they just, I don't know what, what is happening here? It, he does not have, he does not have 800 rushing yards. What did NFL.com is just absolutely misleading right now. NFL.com. Some reason to put ESPN Mark is reliable. They have Antonio Gibson fourth and rushing right now at 800. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. They just had NFL.com <laughs> be wild right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, See, so the top 10 goes one Taylor, two Mixon, three Derrick Henry, four Nick Chubb, five Antonio Gibson, six Najee Harris, seven okay. Book, yeah. eight. Everything else is the same, except they just have Mark Ingram at 821 for some reason. 
<laughs> it's like not even close on here. No, Maybe. I him and Kamara combined don't have that many rush yards. Yeah, that is. Yeah, no, there's no way. I was just saying, I, I, I did not believe that for a second. That was crazy. <laughs> I was like, does he even have a hundred yard? Run? Like, have the Saints just been secretly running the ball 35 times and they just been haven't paying attention? <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, no, no way. No way. Maybe they're just padding his stats on purpose or something. <laughs> just like I'm trying to make him look better. I don't know. That is that's, wild. Though. That's funny. That's got, I got to turn that into a meme. That's funny. NFL.com <laughs> just accidentally has Al, has Mark Ingram as the fifth leading rusher in the NFL. Yeah. I, I would have never believed that. Cause I, I mean, the Texans barely ran the ball at all. I mean, like, and they also had three running backs they played with four. The really, Texans like, also just didn't move the ball at all. The Texans went three yeah. and a half games while scoring eight total points. Yeah. They're, they're just a bad football team. So I was like, there's no way Mark Ingram's able to get that many rushing yards with playing half the season. But hey, three. according to our game today, Texans are 10th in defensive DVOA this year. So shout out to our boy, Lovey Smith, who, yes, Lovey Smith is the defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans. I mean, hey, well, Dave Coley, Dave Coley, you know, Dave Coley's been, I mean, not terrible so far. I mean, not great. <laughs> He's there to cash those checks. He's going to cash yeah. those checks and go three and 13. You think he goes another year? Sure. They're going to suck next year. Why not? Might as well. Might as well try it. You know? Yeah. It's like the Bengals with Zach Taylor. It's like, sure, we're going to suck. Why not just leave him in place and then fire him at the end of that season? Except the Bengals didn't fire Zach Taylor and it worked out. But yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) Might as well try it. We'll see. Yeah. Texans, Texans are going for the number one pick again next year. Might as well. Yep. Hopefully they get a good quarterback next year. We'll see. Spencer Rattler. You're still holding out hope for Spencer Rattler. Is eligible is Stroud. El- <laughs> maybe maybe a Stroud or a um, I don't know. Uh, golly, I don't know. 2024 class can be stacked. Maybe maybe a maybe a revitalized DJ Ungalele. You never know. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else was good this year in college football. Uh, well, Corral's going this year. Pickett's going this year. Uh, be a guy, or they have a guy or two returns that shouldn't return, and they might be end up becoming one of those top picks. Like a, uh, yeah, uh, you mean like Herbert know. did? You know, like Herbert yeah. did that one year? Uh, yeah. I don't know who, <laughs> first overall pick, Carson Strong. <laughs> I mean, at this point, who knows? Uh, he he could use an extra year back, maybe like a. Um, man, this is tough. Uh, Carson Strong could also transfer now because his coach just left. So this, right. he could he could move into one of these power five schools and actually get recognition against better talent than the, the Mountain West, who I, I attest four of those teams should be in the Pac-12, but still better than playing a Mountain West schedule. What about that Wake Forest quarterback? I know he's pretty solid as well. I've not scouted them yet, but I know he's pretty good. Yeah, I, I've heard good things about the Wake Forest quarterback, uh, but Wake Forest was fun while it lasted. Wake Forest was a fun thing for like <laughs> nine weeks. Quick. Yeah, yeah it, I, ended, I, it ended real quick because they were still Wake Forest, but it was fun while it lasted. They got to play in the ACC championship, the least the the least viewed ACC championship game in the history of the ACC championship, but still the ACC championship. Yeah, and Kenny Pickett dominated. Yep, I can go. He is. He's my uh, he's my quarterback two right now. I think, or no, quarterback three. I'm sorry, quarterback three at this moment. He's going to be a first round pick, I think. Oh, so who are the first round quarterbacks? Uh, right now, I have number one Matt Corral uh, from from Ole Miss. I really like his game. I think he's the best built quarterback in terms of pro style offenses. 
Uh, number two, I have Sam Howell. I've still been high on Sam Howell this entire process. I'm going to stick with it. I think he is legit. And maybe he's a Justin Herbert of this class. Maybe he chooses to return again one more time because he can, he can turn himself into the number one overall quarterback next year. Uh, so he can go number- play with Mac Brown and his puffy coats and check downs on first down. <laughs> you never know. Maybe, maybe I just want to wear my puffy coat, check down to running backs and lose to NC State. <laughs> Uh, that's just North Carolina football for you. I mean, that's just how it no, goes. No, that's just Mac Brown football. That's Maybe. just Mac Brown. This is a funny story I just learned this week that Vince Young, when he was at Texas, said the first read was always to the running back in the flat. The first read was running back to the flat when you when you throw the ball. That's usually like the third read when you get to the NFL. It's like it's you're a, looking for a wide receiver, a tight end, and the worst case scenario, check down to a running back. His first read was always checked down to the running back. That is crazy. Mac Brown uh, runs the Big Ben offense. The Big Ben. The Alex Smith offense is what it is. <laughs> yes, the Alex Smith offense. I forgot we can still make Alex Smith jokes here because, yeah, I, I that was probably one of the least popular things I did last year was when everyone was like, oh, Alex Smith, comeback story. I'm like, he's literally the worst quarterback, starter, or backup in the NFL right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, literally just dumped off every boy. But <laughs> yeah, two, oh. average two point four yards, not yards completed, yards traveled in the air per pass attempt. That's impressive. I mean, literally, I think me and you could go out there and do that. Yeah, they just said uh, we're just we're just going to do nothing on offense because again, it's not like like Alex Smith was bad, but they also had no skill position players. Like what right. use is Terry McLaurin? If Terry McLaurin's not catching screen passes from Alex Smith, it's like, what good is the only good weapon we have when he's running 10 yards down the field? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like there, it, it is like, I mean, literally the most effective running, honestly, the most effective and scariest off to player last year was, was JD McKissick. Uh, coming out of the backfield, really. I mean, he was he was most dangerous in terms of screen passes to the running back or, or dump offs. You know, like I mean, him and Antonio Gibson, one of those two, were were the two guys that you had to look out for on that offense. And and you know, occasionally a Logan Thomas or two out there, maybe a McLaurin, a couple times. Again, but, an offense that finished thirty second in DVOA and still almost beat Tom Brady in a playoff game. Insane, insane. I mean, that is that season. I just still can't believe that happened. What are and they now, ranked this year? I don't. This is know. a better. This is a better Washington football team than this year, right? And obviously, they're not. I mean, like everyone's considering last year's team to be a better team because I mean, it's it's obvious they just had an easy schedule and an easy go around of it. You are technically correct. They are twenty second in offensive DVOA this season, so they are technically better than they were last year. Still yeah, bottom most- third, but better than yeah. last year, which was last in the league. They have a lot of a lot of pretty solid weapons. They got DeAndre Carter now starting to become pretty good. Curtis Samuels back and healthy. Uh, they had Adam Humphreys now. Uh, I believe they have one of those it- old Chargers receivers. I can't remember if it's like Inman. Maybe is Dontrell Inman still there? They've got one of those old like Chargers receivers from when I was a fan of them. Maybe uh, I know they have uh, Stephen Sims still still down there. I think right one of the, one of the Sims is that like Cam Sims or Stephen Sims? I know one's on the Steelers, one's on the uh, football team. But yeah, one of those guys are still there. Um, they have a couple of pretty solid weapons. I like, I like their tight ends. I like Ricky Seals Jones and I like uh, Logan Thomas a lot. I think they're both really good. Yeah. They, they still got Adam Humphreys apparently is there yeah, too. Adam Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I guess he's not there anymore. Whoever it was, they're not there anymore. Uh, but they used to have one of those old chargers guys. Anyways, this is a long podcast. You want to make, you want to make the picks here? Yeah, let's do it. All righty. So last week you finished uh, two and three on the week. So you are, uh, you, you would be still in first place if not for me dropping the first five and a week of the entire season oh, from oh. anyone in this pick and pool. 
Uh, yeah. So we, we're rolling in that. Uh, here are the amazing standings right now. You and I are both 33, 31 and one and our buddy Walter Mitchell, 33 and 32. So we are all oh, wow. literally identical, slightly above 500 records. Wow. That is crazy. And if any, anyone can get anyone can win this week as wild. Yeah. All of us, again, none of us know anything. This is the thing you're learning from this season. None of us know anything. Last year, you got 59%, just totally lucky. None of us know anything this year. It is actually insane about like how like random the NFL is. It is crazy. Oh, that reminds me. I just posted this on the Instagram. We finally completed the wheel of parody this year where every team has beaten every team. It happened last year earlier in the season, but we finally this year completed the wheel of every team has beaten every other team by some, you know, some product of working through the wheel. You'd be shocked to see how many people have sent me that and just have just been like, this NFL season's been crazy. Like, I mean, it's so true. Like, everyone is saying, I mean, like, that, that meme is going around a lot, by the way. Like, I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about it. And I mean, it is, it is actually crazy how, um, I mean, like, how random this NFL season's been. Like, you look at some of those wins, it's like, I mean, of course, the, the Lions beat the Vikings, of course. And then you have teams like, um, uh, it was Jets beating the Bengals. I mean, like it was just wild, like random teams and the like, Titans. Wow. The Jets have yeah. also beaten the Titans. Oh yeah, Jets here. Jets beat the Titans. We had uh, the Bears beat the Bengals. We had um, Jaguars uh, Bengals, Bills. Jaguars beat the Bills. Yeah, I mean Bengals beat the Ravens. It was just like so many random games. I'm like, what in the world? Tom happened? Brady threw three interceptions and lost to Washington. Yeah, I mean, it was just cr- it's so crazy how many like random games that we would have never predicted happened like this year. Like we we had all of a sudden now that Miami Dolphins are. <laughs> turning into one of the hottest teams in the NFL. It's like, what oh, you heck? mean AFC East champion Miami Dolphins? Yes, yes. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, I'd love to see it. <laughs> By the way, there is still there is still a crazy scenario where the Detroit Lions can make the playoffs. There is a non-zero it, chance I, that the Detroit Lions can make the playoffs. I thought I thought it ended last week. Really? No. Wow. So so there was you know how there was that crazy list of possibilities going into last week. Right. Uh, if the 49ers had beaten the Seahawks, they would have been eliminated. But by virtue of the Seahawks beating the 49ers, they can still technically have one path to making the playoffs for the for the Detroit Lions. That is actually so funny. I mean, <laughs> that is crazy. I, I still can't believe it. Though. I mean, the Vikings have been the craziest, most randomest team I've ever seen ever. Like, it's just I mean, I saw I, I saw your video that you posted about him about how like crazy, and then you explain like each game broke it down and like what happened. It's like that that really is just Vikings football. Just like the most random, close, stupidest games that ever happened just happened to the Vikings for some reason. Yeah, but this used to be the Chargers, and now the Vikings have taken the mantle as as we call this Philip Rivers purgatory. It's now Kirk Cousins purgatory. Kirk Cousins has taken the mantle from Philip Rivers of just playing stupid games his entire career and just driving you crazy as a Chargers fan. Kirk Cousins has taken the mantle as the new Philip Rivers. Honestly, that is probably the closest <laughs> person I can think of when it comes to a Philip Rivers in the league now. It's probably Kirk Cousins. I mean, Philip Rivers in his 30s. Like, let's not forget, Philip Rivers threw more career touchdown passes than Dan Marino. But yes, Philip. On his prime. No. Yeah, Philip Rivers in his 30s. I think that's that's very fair. You know, 12th best quarterback in the NFL. A fine quarterback. Exactly. Well, speaking of Kirk Cousins, the Steelers play at the Vikings on Thursday night. Vikings are three-point favorites at home. Yeah. Um 
I don't know if Dalvin Cook's going to be healthy for this game. I know he's been out for a while. They might have another Alexander Madison game. I don't think Adam Thielen's playing either. So a couple of big weapons for the Vikings are going to be gone this game. But at the same time, Steelers aren't, aren't all that healthy as well. So are they going to be able to put up enough offense to be able to handle this game? I'll pick the, the Vikings to win in cover. I think home field advantage is going to play at an advantage for them in this game. And I really, really think if, as long as Justin Jefferson can get going and have a good enough game, I think they can be able to win this. I think they'll be able to win this football game. Yeah, I made this joke on the Instagram, which is just there's just no way this game is not just totally chaotic. There's just, yeah. there's just no way this game is not chaos. Yeah, it, it will be it will be crazy. It will be a close game, I think. But uh, three point possession is basically a pick them. So I'll, I'll pick the Vikings. All righty. Cowboys are at the Washington football team. Cowboys three and a half point favorites. Wow, that's not a lot. Uh, I'll take the Cowboys to win and cover. Um I still just think they're obviously the best team in NFC East right now. I think the next best team to them is probably the Eagles. And even then, I don't think they're good enough to really contend with the Cowboys. Uh, the Washington football team is a very up and down team right now. They, they are starting to find success, success in the running game with Antonio Gibson. So credit to them for that. But at the same time, I don't know if they're good enough to be able to, um, you know, completely uh, beat the Cowboys in a game. I think the Marcus Lawrence is returning this week. I already love what the Cowboys have at linebacker and, and those positions right now. They're dominating with Micah Parsons, guys like that. Uh, and, and I really just think that um, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and the offense can put up enough points to be able to dominate this game. So uh, the Washington football team's secondary is already pretty bad as it is. They're going to get dominated this game. I'll pick the Cowboys winning cover. All righty. Seahawks at the Texans. The Seahawks are six and a half point favorites. Ooh. Man, it's gonna be crazy. I'm gonna take the Texans to cover because I mean, I still, I still just don't trust. Again, the the, I should mention the Davis Mills Houston Texans. Oh no, no Tyrod, no Tyrod. Is he hurt? Yeah, Tyrod got hurt at the end of the last game. I think he's already been ruled out. Okay. Oh wow. I'm glad you said that because I did not know that. I, I was assuming Tyrod's quarterback. I would take the Texans. Um, dude, Davis Mills. Uh. I guess I'll take the Seahawks then, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that that is only because of Davis Mills because he's going to throw four interceptions in this game and it's going to—it's going to be ugly, right? Because like Tyrod, Tyrod's not a good quarterback. You can trust that he's not going to lose the the game for a team, right? Well, Davis he did Mills. that last week. Last last week was not great for Tyrod Taylor, I will say. I mean, last yeah, week they were, they were playing from behind though, weren't they? I mean, Tyrod they, Taylor they, finished. I don't think it mattered. Tyrod Taylor was five for 13 for 45 yards. No touchdowns. One interception finished with a 16 quarterback rating. Oh God. You, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't think it mattered on that one. That was just the Texans sucked last week and Tyrod Taylor looked like a backup quarterback. Yeah. Texans are a bad football team. So yeah, I'll, I'll take Seahawks to win cover pretty easily. I think. No, it's going to it's, it's be painful if the if the Texans do win. You're going to be like, I damn it. I knew it. I knew it. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think they I don't think they win. I just thought they would keep it close enough to cover, you know, like it, I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I think the Seahawks will cover this game. Then. Do you think we should change our rule about picking Falcons and Lions games to Vikings and Seahawks games now? I feel like we're, <laughs> we're getting close to that territory. <laughs> Maybe, but I think the Lions should still stay there because they're still managing to cover and, and surprise us. You know, like, I, I think at least the Falcons should change because the Falcons, I think, are becoming pretty boring and we're able to guess them a little bit more. Uh, I think I think it should be the Vikings and Lions now. I think that should be the new the, the new um, the new Falcons and Lions. Well, don't speak. Don't speak too soon because I got a Falcons and Panthers game this week that looks absolutely brutal. <laughs> yeah. Who's uh, the line? 
Uh, it's Panthers three. Assuming Cam uh, Newton, assuming Cam Newton is playing. Yeah, I'll take the Falcons to win and cover this game. Uh, well, I don't know why. <laughs> that's great. That's great analysis. No, we're good there. It's the same thing as like, is Matt Ryan done? Yes, that we're good. Like, yeah, that's great analysis. I don't know why Falcons plus three. We're good there. Uh, next game. Uh, let's see. How about the Monday night game? Rams at the Cardinals. Cardinals two point favorites. Oh, can the, can the Cardinals do it again? Um, man, the Rams have been rough lately. Uh, they finally bounced back this last week. I think that they're a good football team still. I think they're the second-best team in the a- NFC right now behind the Green Bay Packers. So uh, I'll take the Rams. They need to win one of these games. They need to split with the Cardinals. I think the Rams will win and cover this game. Uh, I still think Arizona is good. I think they're probably the third-best team in the, in the NFC right now. But I think right now the star power of the Rams are just too good to handle. You and I both got wins on the Rams last week, so that's uh, that's a big victory for us. Uh, you're rolling with the Rams again here. So uh, love these two-hour podcasts. We, we break the rules of podcasts, which is never have a podcast that goes longer than two hours, but this was, this was a fun one. This was, a very, yeah. this was one of my favorites. Uh, yeah, it's, it is fun. I, agree. I love the games that we play. <laughs> Fantastic. When, when I have actual time to do analysis and actually... You know, when I have time to actually do research, sometimes that turns into hour and a half oral histories of the Clemson Tigers dynasty. And it turns into games like this where I'm just doing research for an hour because I have time during the day. Yeah, it is a lot of fun, though. Yes, I like I like doing it. I just need the time to be able to do it because this was this was a good game to play partway through the season because it makes us care about teams that don't matter. It stimulated a 10 minute conversation about the Jaguars. Yeah, give them some love. Not sure. Even though their games have not mattered for five weeks, they still still talk about the Jaguars. Again, is Trevor Lawrence good? I don't know. We'll figure it out eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. 